Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. Each episode will introduce an area of technology that needs work and highlight the changemakers working on it. Join Chloe and guests as they tap into their passion about equity and rights for all. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Welcome to another episode of ITSP Magazine's The Changemaking Podcast. My name is Chloe Mistagi and I am your host today. And today we are joined by Vita Woods, who is the founder of Protect Us Kids Foundation. Vita, welcome. Thank you so much, Chloe. Happy to be here. I am so thrilled to learn about your organization and to also spread the love of it. Um, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about what led you to forming the Protect Us Kids Foundation? Well, being um, a young person growing up on the um, inner city um, of the south side of Chicago, um, I was exposed to quite a few things socially um, within my environment. um, And um, that kind of spurred my interest as I got older of trying to figure out ways on how I could actually help um, change some of the, the, the challenges and the social issues that were happening in not just communities like Chicago, but similar communities all over the world. Um, And it just so happened, I've always been an individual that um, was interested in technology, the arts, um, always trying to figure out uh, how to leverage technology um, on ways to solve problems. And uh, as I went throughout my career um, into what this thing we now know of as cybersecurity, um, I uh, thought about how I could actually apply the principles um, of cyber, which is always about protect, protecting those most invaluable assets, um, how I could actually apply that to how to protect people and specifically um, young people um, who look like me or were represented, represented like myself in similar communities um, in the States here and, and, and around the world. And it just so happened um, early in my career, I landed a, a role at the Federal Bureau of Investigations as a data analyst. And um, I uh, asked if I could walk around and visit some of the, um, what they call squads. Uh, And I happened to stumble stumble across the squad um, within uh, the office that was focused on child exploitation on the internet. And it just so happened, uh, some of the cases that they were working on reflected communities like mine. As a matter of fact, one of them reflected um, uh, the South side of Chicago, um, and it was focused on um, people exploiting children on Craigslist, believe it or not. And I was like, oh my goodness, they're actually <laughs> leveraging technology to do things like that. I need to understand how um, this actually occurs so that I can you know, join the good fight um, and to help that. And that's really what kind of spurred um, the um, birth of, of Protect Us Kids. I even still have the little uh, piece of paper where I did a little outline. Um, and it was r- rather easy um, because, like I said, I'm from that community, um, but I never thought that it would kind of take off to where it has now. Love it. So tell me a little bit about the foundation, Protect Us Kids. Well, Protect Us Kids is a 501c3 nonprofit uh, located in Washington, D.C., um, and it's really focused on protecting young people um, worldwide um, from um, any type of um, exploitative uh, behavior, 
um, or those young people that may um, be indirectly or directly impacted by child sexual exploitation and or online child commercial sex trafficking. Um, although our, you know, our overall goal of, is always to protect all youth, we do have a special interest in those young people that are living in underserved rural um, and marginalized areas who may be more susceptible to predatory um, maneuvers. So what are some of the initiatives that Protect as Kids are doing right now? I think the biggest, most impactful and probably the readily apparent mission um, is our awareness. Um, we participate um, with communities um, within uh, various regions of the world with young people to actually um, provide awareness on how they can protect themselves online from things such as cyberbullying, um, online child um, enticement, um, as well as um, mental health, believe it or not. Um, uh, and we have a youth life program where the young people actually, they are the ones um, who come up with the ideas and the topics um, that they feel are relevant um, and, and current. And, and, and we basically provide the infrastructure to provide them, them a voice. I mean, so we do a lot of efforts um, with areas such as in the Caribbean. Um, we have um, grassroots efforts in Bangladesh, um, India. Um, we are right now focusing on Sierra Leone, as a matter of fact, uh, to uh, also provide awareness um, and actually have a joint effort towards developing a podcast as well. The young people want to do a podcast. I mean, so that's, that's probably the most impactful piece um, that you can see um, of Protect Us Kids is on the um, awareness front. Um, also because it's, it's the most um, easily accepted irrespective of, of where um, communities are in the world because they all value education. Um, and so it's very important um, for us to be able to provide that information. Other um, areas that uh, Protect Us Kids uh, focuses on is on the background. Um, and so we have a, a three pillar um, approach. Um, we partner with academia um, seeking to serve as the uh, clients for graduate school populations capstone projects. Um, as you know, there's a lot of information out there um, and numbers out there uh, regarding human trafficking, um, but those numbers are kind of all over the place. I mean, practically non-existent for the communities that we serve. And so we wish to uh, provide um, the subject matter expertise in terms of the particular uh, case studies of which we um, are interested in actually having some, some research done. And the graduate school population um, is able to provide um, that validated research. Um, the graduate students can actually work on something very interesting and cool in support of understanding how you can leverage cyber for social good. And the um, academic institutions have an opportunity uh, to also be able to attract interdisciplinary students who otherwise may not necessarily have had an interest in cyber, um, but definitely would have um, an interest, um, especially when they see how you can actually solve um, worldwide problems. Um, other areas where we partner is in regards to um, the health affairs, um, as specifically mental and behavioral health. Um, we look at cybersecurity as being um, an extension, honestly, <laughs> of our social consciousness. Um, and so it's very important for us to understand that this is a human issue and working with mental and behavioral health enables us to understand what's actually happening in a community um, and, and what type of uh, avenues that we need to take in terms of tailing our curriculum so that it's more impactful and it res resonates more easily um, with the youth within the community. So we like to work very closely with mental and behavioral health. And lastly, um, we work very closely um, with the intelligence community and law enforcement. 
um, as well as other um, nonprofit organizations and technology organizations that are developing some interesting um, technologies to identify perpetrators on the web. We um, focus on providing some rather unique indicators based on our work with mental and behavioral health um, entities, um, as well as our work within the community. Uh, we feel that we can provide them um, a different perspective in support um, of their investigations and also uh, just providing a different lens um, to uh, a community that's otherwise pretty much hidden in plain sight. Um, and by working across all of those pillars really um, makes up a lot of the work that we do at Protect Us Kids. The one thing that I have to admit that was really striking on your website was talking about how boys make up 50% of the sex traffic victims in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and that women make up as buyers and traffickers as well. I think that's one of the things that we don't talk about enough is that this is not just a girl's uh, situation. It's actually boys too. And Absolutely. that women participate in the trafficking. Um, I mean, when you came across that statistic, was it something of shocking to you or was that something like you kind of already knew, but you're glad that the facts are out there now? Um, I don't think it's shocking. Um, I, I, I think it may be um, shocking uh, to, to um, other groups. Um, again, the demographic that we serve, there's, there's quite a lot of things um, that occur because those populations are vulnerable, right? Um, and so um, because there are um, a lack of resources and, and um, support, um, more often than not, when you take away the basic human needs, um, it's not really surprising um, the level of um, issues that actually can occur uh, in, in respect to um, some of the, the um, uh, exploitive behavior um, and abusive behavior um, that, that you're witnessing. It just so happens that technology kind of peels the layers back so that you can see, um, but a lot of this stuff has been going on since the beginning of time, um, unfortunately. Um, you know, seeing, you know, in terms of the st uh, statistics that you brought about, about women um, and boys, you know, again, it's, it's those uh, uh, entities uh, that are vulnerable um, in also understanding that uh, it tends to be individuals that are close, especially when it comes to children, um, they tend to be uh, individuals that are close to those children, right? And so it's not necessarily always thought of as, you know, someone coming from the outside um, that's, you know, um, uh, abusing or exploiting um, these children um, in order to have access to a child, um, especially um, in those type of situations, um, there's normally trusted relationships, whether it's direct family members, guardians, parents, um, teachers, um, uh, people who are in trusted positions of authority, um, uh, neighbors, uh, it has, it's, it's typically very often those trusted relationships um, where we see the, these types of um, abuses that occur. So um, it, it, it wasn't so much as surprising um, as it is understanding that how vast um, the type of access an individual can actually gain um, by leveraging technology. I think that was, was really surprising in terms of the breadth of the amount of abuse um, that, that um, can occur using technology. Well, yeah, one of the most interesting situations is when working with kids that have been like sex trafficked, they themselves don't see themselves as a victim. It's like a part of them is shame or they just, it's disconnected their own survival mode. 
So what does your organization do on these kind of cases, um, especially when it comes to mental health, for them to accept the survival mode and start working through that trauma? Um, I think you, you you chose the right word, survivor. Um, for the, the, the children that we interact with, they don't necessarily see themselves as being trafficked. Um, they are simply surviving um, based on um, the, the um, social economic circumstances in, in, in where they live. Um, and so there's there's not this thing of, of, of being in traffic, it's, it's more so a thing of, of trying to, to survive. And so one of the key differentiators of Protect Us Kids that is very different um, perhaps than from others is that we focus on the peer-to-peer -peer model where the young people talk to young people. Um, and so um, we tend to be the listening ear um, and also the fact checker. So making sure um, that we are um, dropping in the, the appropriate and in, in factual information, um, but facilitating the discussion so that the young people have an opportunity to have a voice. And that's what's different, right? As much as we wanna think that we are social on social media, um, unfortunately we've become antisocial and our young people have a hard time, um, or people in general, not just young people, but people have had a hard time with simply um, having face-to-face -face direct conversations with people. Um, and, our, and, and with our young people, they definitely um, are used to and more comfortable with leveraging technology, um, using emoticons to express themselves, um, and, and really kind of operating in this very much isolated um, realm, right, um, that feels like it has uh, so many um, people um, around them. The challenge with that is, is that um, young people, um, especially the ones that are um, under the age of 17, um, cognitively, they're still developing um, in support, you know, of their thought processes and how they reason. Um, and unfortunately, we've created this environment where young people um, really don't necessarily have any guidance at all and how they feel and the things that they encounter, um, they have to make decisions. And a lot of these decisions are adult decisions. Um, and that's almost impossible for them to be able to di differentiate, right? Because they're still children themselves. And so we've provided this avenue, um, you can call it a virtual safe haven um, for young people to have an opportunity to talk about anything that they wish to talk about, not to feel shamed, um, but also to discuss some of the, the problems and, and, and some of the solutions, right, um, that they come up with. Because as you know, uh, young people are very smart. Um, you're only a child a very short period of time in your adult life, overall, your overall lifespan um, of being a person rather. Um, and so during these times of, of when I, I think you're at your most creative, um, you can actually have young people come up with some amazing solutions um, and provide some thought leadership on uh, current events and things that they feel are important to them. And we provide that platform for them. Um, in parallel to that, that's very rehabilitative um, to have a support system, right? Um, and a support system where you can actually, although you may not be face-to-face -face with that person, um, you can be in the forum and, and we leverage uh, um, video conferencing and, and webinars and, and sessions and the like. Um, but we want to make sure that they have that interaction with not just, you know, young people that are within their region, but around the world. Um, because truth be told, a lot of the challenges that young people face, irrespective of where they come, they're all the same, right? They want to feel loved, protected, respected, and accepted. And that is something um, that is tried and true, irrespective of where a child comes from. Um, it's just that sometimes uh, being on the internet 
there is a false sense of meeting those needs from others who may actually um, are out there to, to do them harm and, and not necessarily to provide um, support in those areas. One of, one of the things I've noticed when doing like community work around this area is that those that went through that trauma and they work through their trauma, sometimes they want to volunteer and provide advisement and, and get involved. Um, do you ever see cases like that within the org? Oh, all the time, all the time. We have um, people who are anonymous, um, um, white hackers, uh, who um, you know uh, are within the, the, the community, um, on the chat forums and the like, um, providing you know solutions and things like that, open source development. Um, but more often than not, they want to volunteer because they've been impacted um, by some type of trauma that is similar in nature um, in terms of, of, of what uh, Protect Us Kids Foundation mission is. Um, we also have a lot of young people um, that are a little bit older uh, that uh, actually were directly impacted um, when they were in their um, preteen stages, and they didn't understand, uh, you know, how to 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 um, navigate and get around a lot of the issues that that they they encountered, and so they have a a strong interest in making sure that they can um, provide guidance and support to other young people um, to so that they can prevent themselves um, from um, falling victim. Um, to a lot of the grooming that, that actually occurs um, online. I think the most powerful aspect of, of um, the overall approach that, that we're taking is that the, the human factor is very much, and I mentioned this before, the foundation of everything. And so um, the people come to protect us kids and want to volunteer um, because it, they can relate. Um, and it's, it's a human emotion that's evoked from that, right? And, and um, more often than not, whether it's positive because they want to nurture and provide support to other young people, um, it's the long lasting impacts of the things that weren't so positive that they encountered in their life, leveraging technology that doesn't necessarily go away just because you're off of technology, right? It affects how you speak to people, it affects how you express yourself. It affects even in terms of what type of job you may want to take or how much information you want to disclose about yourself because of events that may have happened to you um, inadvertently negative online when you were younger um, and trying to cope and, 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 and kind of get past those things is, is hard, right? And so um, we get a lot of people, um, uh, and I, I won't say a lot, but we get a good portion of folks that want to volunteer, adults um, and children alike, um, because they, they, they've had some type of experience, if not directly, um, they have a family member or a friend within their community um, that they know that were impacted that impacted by um, this type of behavior. So they definitely wanted to join Protect Us Kids to help. Yeah, I think one of the, the scariest things that I remember reading about is that with kids, it's, they get lured so easily because they feel special. The mm -hmm. person brings them in and makes them feel like they're like the only one that there's that they're incredibly special and it sucks them in. And then it becomes kind of like an abusive relationship where they start making demands on them, but then they treat them nice and then they get, make demands and then treat them nice. It's like this back and forth. And a lot of people always think that once they like weed them in, right, that it's not a, it's not kind of that abusive relationship that it's like all negative suddenly and that's not the case so it makes it even harder um, to break away from that 
uh, situation. And I'm, I'm curious, like, how do you deal with these kind of cases in, in sense, because that's, that does a number on someone. It does. It does. And, um, you know, there's, there's never really an isolated incident. Um, because when you think about how we've, uh, opened up this, I call it Pandora's box because it really is, you know, we're, we're, technology is awesome. You can do so many things efficiently, faster, quicker. You can gain access to so many different things, but I don't think anyone thought um, that individuals would, would start looking at this in terms of gaining access, right, um, to children. Um, and and it's, um, it is very much psychological and it does play um, a part in terms of what we do on the day-to-day. Our lives are intertwined um, from the virtual and the physical space. And I always tell people, if you think it's challenging for an adult to understand the difference between reality and fantasy, how hard do you think it is for a kid? Especially a child that's kind of been born into this, right? It's almost impossible. Um, and so in terms of even how you should behave um, online, you know, we don't necessarily teach children um, kindness um, uh, and how to um, treat people online. We hopefully you, you expect or assume that that's something that's taught at home, right? That you should be kind to others. Um, you should um, allow people to have an opportunity to speak um, you, and, and provide their thoughts without retribution. Um, you should um, allow people to be creative and innovative and it's okay to be different. All of these things that perhaps may be written somewhere, um, technology just and in, in, in social media enables a person to, for some reason to feel like they're a lot freer in their expression um, and that that freedom of expression is great. But whenever you have something where everything goes, there's bound to be another group um, that's impacted um, negatively, right? Because we're, we're not necessarily thinking about how thoughtful we should be or the impacts of, of our actions that we take. And so with young people, um, it's a it's a very, it's a very, immersive space, right? To be a kid right now. Um, you, can, you can express yourselves and have thoughts about things um, to the masses, to millions of followers and friends, but you can be the loneliest person, right? In terms of your, your physical space because you're not even able to talk <laughs> to, your, to, to those closest to you, um, your family members or your friends, but you, but you feel like you, you can find that acceptance um, online. And so it's a very confusing, um, challenging space that requires, that's why it's so important to protect this kids focuses so much on bridging the gap between mental health, um, academia, and um, intelligence and law enforcement. Um, it's very, very important to do that because this is not a siloed um, problem. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's very much an intertwined um, challenge that we have right now in terms of being able to provide a support system where your support system is anonymous. Um, you can't really pinpoint it, but you can pretty much create an environment in a world to kind of fit whatever you want. And, and, and there's no boundaries with it. And so young people don't necessarily understand um, how to deal with those different emotions. And you talked about that rather eloquently in terms of the back and forth, right? Um, it's a play on the emotions. It's a play on the most most vulnerable aspects 
of, of the human condition. And you can do that simply by being on the net, being on the mobile device, right? You never have to step foot in a person's house or anything like that, but you can have these chat conversations and, and just simply scan a chat room, identify um, someone that has an interesting social handle and get pretty much as much information as you want in terms of where that person's state of mind is at a snapshot of time and immediately go in and start having a conversation. And before you know it, you've built a relationship that can last a day, two weeks, for years. We're never ever meeting that individual, right? And that level of trust um, and bond that you can form is powerful. And it's extremely powerful when it comes to children. So yes, it's a, it's a very um, challenging environment, but our partnership with mental and behavioral health to understand there's a lot of um, efforts that are starting to come underway um, on our board. Um, we have um, uh, individuals that are, 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 oh my goodness, just, just moving at the speed of light in terms of how they are looking at um, technology and how technology has had an impact on mental health and what does that look like? Um, one of our board members, um, Dr. Akira Olson, um, is very much um, tied into uh, really understanding um, the impact um, in respect to technology and what that looks like um, from a child's perspective, right? And how they're using that technology and the impact it has on them from traumatic events that um, are occurring online. What does that, how does that impact that, that child? Um, and how do you provide rehabilitation rehabilitative um, services um, to a child uh, that has been exploited online? And what is the impact that it has on our society as, as we see more and more cases um, of this type of abuse that's honestly not really even reported, right? A lot of the abuse occurs um, in silence. Um, and so that, that's, that's a huge challenge and it's gonna require a collective effort um, amongst all the parties that I mentioned. Um, which is one of the reasons why um, Protect As Kids exists is to help keep those conversations going and most importantly, keep the path open for young people um, to have a voice because they really have the answers to the questions that we have. Um, we have a tendency of speaking for them and, um, and that actually silences them quite a bit, right? So they start forming their own worlds virtually to have that voice. And so what we wanna do is make sure that we create that platform for them um, so that they can provide the solutions uh, to a lot of, a lot, like I said, a lot of the problems that, that, that we're seeing that are out there right now. So Vita, how can companies help and how can individuals that are listening help um, support your mission? Our biggest thing right now are corporate sponsors. Um, we have done so much. Uh, someone, uh, <laughs> a rather well-established nonprofit um, gave us the biggest compliment. They said, you know, you guys are rather unique. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you've managed to, to spread um, uh, globally and reach so many, so many young people um, globally. It's like amazing what you've done. Um, but from a capital standpoint, it's rather small. <laughs> and I laughed and I said, trust me, um, we're very much aware of that. And there's so much more um, that we can do but it's going to definitely require um, corporate sponsors and people who um, understand it and, and, and are interested in terms of the research. There's a lot of research uh, that we wish to conduct um, in this space because, again, it's virtually non-existent. 
um, and also the technology platforms that are really required in order for us to scale um, requires quite a bit of investment as well. Um, some of that, uh, the, the help from companies is not always monetary. You know, the partnership piece is um, critical uh, for Protect Us Kids being able to be successful in our mission. Um, and so those avenues in terms of supporting us in, in, in so that we can have valid access to open source data, right? Uh, that, that we can leverage uh, to be able to aggregate that information up, um, to be able to accurately tell the stories um, that I, I, a few of them that I mentioned before, um, having um, uh, access to those organizations that have developed um, uh, resources in terms of hotlines and um, data entry points for individuals to report. Um, we would like to be able to provide a front end access to that um, so that we can indeed create this virtual safe haven that I kind of talked about a little bit before. Um, it's gonna require partnerships um, amongst quite a few organizations. Um, and then I think probably another avenue is uh, um, having support systems from those within the legal realm. You know, we, we are a global organization. And so just the amount of rigor around privacy and child protection laws is massive, especially when you look at it on a global scale. So any type of um, pro bono or in-kind donation um, in terms of providing us um, support from from a legal front is is greatly appreciated because legally those those laws change based on region um, and international laws change and and you know and and vary greatly um, just depending on the time right as time moves on and so we definitely um, would love to have um, some uh, legal pro bono work as well to help us craft um, and and understand this virtual safe haven that we want to create to make sure it's safe. Um, but it also protects the interests of all individuals involved. So yeah, we, we have a lot of big ask for Protect Us Kids, but we're hopeful um, and, and we believe in these kids and we know this is the right thing to do. We just hope that others feel the same. I wouldn't say like big ass. I would say like, this is something we need to do. Like Absolutely. everyone should get involved. Like this should not happen anymore. Exactly. Um, it's disturbing on every single level. No one should go through this. And Absolutely. that trauma just carries on for the rest of their lives. And if we can do anything that we can, to reduce that from happening or at least provide the resources to help these people, you know, get through the survival mode, work through the trauma, so then they can have a wonderful life ahead. Vita, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about Protect Us Kids Foundation. Um, if you have any information, um, you know, if anyone has any questions, I would say, uh, feel free to reach out to Vita Woods on LinkedIn or send an email to uh, Protect Us Kids. Um, their website is protect-us-kids.org. Uh, the link will also be posted underneath this podcast episode. So thank you, Vita, for joining us. And everyone, please stay safe. And I look forward to tuning in and being with you all very soon with another wonderful guest. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Changemaking Podcast with Chloe Mestagi. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. 
If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.